Seventh Avenue Pizza, the official pizza of the Soda Pod. The Soda Pod, the official beer and hockey podcast of Seventh Avenue Pizza. From the land of sky blue waters, welcome to the Soda Pod. Isha Dromi here alongside Ross Brendel of Score North Radio and host of Minnesota Sports Chat. Thank you so much for joining us, man. How are you? It's good to be back. I know we we have a long-awaited standing invite to actually meet up for brews, which I vow to make happen here in 2024. So I'm just honored that you would still invite me back after... I I stonewalling you for months now. So thank you very much. And congratulations to Hoppy as well. No, it's a hey, look, man. It's a little bit on me as well. And it's funny that we hung out more when I was visiting a year and a half ago than we have since I've moved here, but it's an absolute pleasure uh, for you to come on the show in place of Hoppy. And again, congratulations to Hoppy for those who didn't see his post. I mean, Go check him out uh, <laughs> at state of Hoppy, but yeah, big congratulations to him and, and the whole family there. Well, I think what we've learned here, at least when it comes to you and I hanging out, even though you live here, maybe you should just schedule that you're coming back. You know, fake that you live out of town, <laughs> fake that you're having a get together because you're in town, and then I and the masses will get there. But no, in, in all sincerity, again, congrats to Hoppy and thanks for having me. Let's talk some sports. First, I'd like to propose a toast to UMD goaltender Alex Stalock. To Stalock! To Stalock! I love that stuff. Been drinking it for years. You know, I, I heard they recently decided to add more hops to it. You're all hopped out? Ross, I have to say, I feel like a real Minnesota now because I didn't bring anything fancy here, despite this being, you know, a craft beer podcast. Before we started recording here, you were telling me uh, about some of the new sp- spots that you went to. As per the intro, the land of sky blue waters. I'm drinking <laughs> a good old hams. And you know what? Fuck this team. Um... <laughs> This is the only koozie I'm ever using, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, look go. at you. Uh, that That is uh, modeled after the now three-time Quick Lane Bowl champion, University of Minnesota Golden Gophers. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Uh, do you feel born again in the spirit of Minnesota Vikings disappointment? Oh, man. It's just like... Everyone keeps telling me, oh, why do you watch the CFL, watch the NFL? Okay, I'll watch the local team play. God, dude, why? Why? Like, I'm never watching the NFL again. I Well, you know, it's funny you should say that. I don't even want to watch the CFL again because of what the Bombers have done to me two Grey Cups in a row. Oh, dude, like. Just ripping your heart out on the essentially the final play two years in a row. Ouch. I mean, the the. The first, like the first of two, hurt me even more because I, you know how much I love Toronto sports. So I just like, I, I, at the end of the day, I could give two shits about the Blue Bombers, but like yeah. I will root for any team going up against anything Toronto sports. So I was, I was watching that with Hoppy actually before we were recording a soda pod, and he was like, "What the fuck is this league, dude? What, what's going on here?" <laughs> Do you, well, it's funny, and I don't want to turn this into an all CFL podcast, no, no, but it's it is... in my notes because you're my, the only other Minnesota who, who a watch the cfl and doesn't rip on me well for uh for continuing to defend it i got like solomon aluminium right here shout out bc lions let's go even watching the lions today and the vikings have incorporated this and the nfl has incorporated a lot more of this the 
wide receiver or running back who's basically moving in motion the entire time pre-snap. That That's rather new to the NFL. You didn't always see that. And I don't mean like a guy is just cutting behind the lineman. I mean he is running in front of the quarterback, then doing a total turnaround and running back towards the sideline. You know, that's that's right out of the CFL playbook. So I, I appreciate that. But yeah, you know, Vikings, whatever. It's It's weird when you wake up on a, a Sunday, final Sunday of the season for the Minnesota Vikings, and you're actively cheering against them. And I know some people say like, well, that that means you're not a real fan. I always push back on that. What is the definition of a real fan? Everybody, everybody, quote unquote, fans in a different way. But you can argue all you want about whether having a higher pick or a lower pick actually matters because, yeah, you still have to go out, scout, do your homework and draft the right player. But I would argue picking higher gives you just slightly better odds. And when you're not really going to make the playoffs, or if you did make the playoffs, you're not realistically going to do anything. Why would you not want to have a better chance when it comes to making your roster better? So the Vikings finishing 7-10 and 10 for me, Isha, is great. Revisionist history, it probably would have been better if they would have lost a few more games in the middle of the season. But it is what it is. We'll take it. Or at least I will. And look, that was a perfect segue into some Minnesota wild talk here. I'm going to pump the brakes on that just, just for a second, because we are on the the, the football conversation. Um, and, and I've been saying, you know, same with the wild, maybe, maybe now is the time to uh, not necessarily tank, but uh, go for a better draft pick, see what some of the young guys have. But again, we'll, we'll talk a little Minnesota wild here in a sec. Um, let's just quickly talk about when, you know, this podcast is going to drop on Monday and there's an important game here Monday. I'm slowly getting more into college football. Just what are your quick thoughts on the college natty? I mean, tee, tee it up for, for us, the fans and the new fans, much like myself. What, what can we expect? Well, I think you you should expect, uh, I think, a game that should, in theory, be close. Uh, uh, if you had two semifinals that were just fantastic, Alabama and Michigan and Washington and Texas. Alabama, for a while there, looked like they were going to knock off Michigan and Michigan was going to lose in the first round of the college football playoff for the third year in a row. Obviously, we all know that didn't happen. Michigan overcomes and bests Alabama moves on to the title game. Washington was handling Texas fairly easily and had some very um, Minnesota Golden Gopher and Vikings-like clock management that almost cost them the game, but they do end up holding on for the victory. I, I love the college football national championship. Typically in the past, the national championship has been a lot better than the playoff games. In the last few years, we've actually had much better playoff games historically until very recently, as recently as last year, the college football semifinals really weren't all that great. But I think everybody had a feeling this year was going to be pretty crazy because you could make a case for all four teams in the college football playoff that they could win the national championship. Heck, if Florida State was healthy and even Georgia, if the college football playoff was deeper, I think you could have made a case for them to win the national championship. So after two crazy semifinals, I'm looking forward to what should be hopefully an incredibly entertaining national championship game. My gut says Michigan will win. I'm okay if they win. I don't really have a rooting interest, but I think I'd rather see Washington win. But 
you know, we'll see. I just hope it's a fun, entertaining game. And I, I like that college football's wised up. It actually kicks off a little bit earlier in the evening, so we all don't have to stay up till midnight, 1 a.m. on a Monday night. So uh, this old man who doesn't like to stay up late on school nights, very appreciative of that. Yes, the one thing I'm still not getting used to going from Pacific time to Central time. It's like, oh, man, I got to stay up freaking late to watch sports now we're on pacific time it was like oh i get off work and you know playoff hockey's it's already on and oh my god i missed 20 minutes and here it's like oh my god man i want to go to bed it's 20 minutes to midnight and there's still like second period of the third game <laughs> yeah, and now you get all these minnesota wild as i always say west coast west coast starts in the central time zone you know they'll oh take god, on eight, eight o'clock start like what yeah. the hell nine o'clock are you kidding me here yeah They'll take on St. Louis and there'll be an 8.30 puck drop at XL Energy Center or at, uh, I'm blanking, what do we call it, Ameritrade? Or what's what's the St. Louis arena? Not that it really matters, but yeah, it's that's long been an anger of mine too. I get why they do it. They're trying to split the TV as much as possible, but for the fans, it's a, it's a big middle finger. Well, and that's a perfect transition to talk a little bit about the World Juniors. Um, again, being the Canadian from the podcast, uh, Canadian representative of the soda pod. Like it was a culture shock for me moving here and realizing that nobody actually, let me rephrase that. It, it was a culture shock moving here and realizing that the city slash country or even state of hockey doesn't shut down the week of world juniors in Canada. Like no joke. Like it's, it's the, it's the week for our new semester in university. There's no professor in opening week, giving you the, you know, running down the classes. Everyone's at the bar watching these games. Like, or the professor sends out an email and is like, I'm watching the game. You guys can come watch in the classroom. Like it's such an important thing in Canada. And here no one can watch it because of a weird, distribution of only on nhl network like talk me through this year because i still like i i found a place to watch it clearly and i have friends who have nhl network but it blows my mind that the ihf doesn't have a deal with espn much like they do with tsn and furthermore that espn can't just take the tsn stream and show it much like they do with so many other sports who the T where tsn actually has the rights to so like just talk me through this year you know you being a hockey fan and a sports fan as well well, a part of me wonders, Isha, even if there was some type of rights distribution, would America really care like Canada does? I'm I'm not saying they wouldn't or that they don't. Me, I will tell you, I completely spaced on the semifinals game and I watched the championship game at work, right? So I think at least for me specifically, this is me, okay? Not I'm not speaking for the masses. For me... I will move heaven and earth and climb mountains to watch an Olympic hockey game. World Juniors, uh, for some reason, it's just never had that same level for me. And I kind of feel like for the most part, unless you're deep into hockey, we always say hockey in this country is still kind of a niche sport. It is growing again, but still kind of a niche sport. Then when you talk about World Juniors, I feel like that's a niche inside the niche. So right. I'm just I'm just not sure if it would have the same level that it does in Canada. But then I would ask you this. I think when the USA goes on to win it, and I think we always, always want to see USA and Canada because that's the most fun, and you want to see that in the championship. But I think that's probably part of the disdain that Canadian hockey fans have for American hockey fans. Correct. I mean, maybe we don't take it as seriously as they do, yet the USA wins this year and Canada didn't. So uh, 
Isha, the overall the overall point for to you to your question, I think it's super layered. I think one thing that would get America and Americans more invested is easy access to it. And I hope that when the World Juniors is here roughly two years from now, late 2025, early 2026, and by here, St. Paul and Minneapolis at Mariucci and XL Energy Center, they do get this stuff figured out. Because when it is in Minnesota and America, we should want the most eyes on it as possible. So I, I do hope there's some resolution on that. Isha, we were talking beforehand, you and I, just insider podcast YouTube stuff. That has changed so much in a year, two years, three, four years. I can only imagine what TV rights and streaming and how we're consuming and watching these events is going to change by the time World Juniors happens. So I I don't even know if we can venture to guess what it's going to look like in mid-December of 2025. No, that's a good point for sure. Um, It's definitely like the, the only comparison I could say is the, the Minnesota high school st- uh state tournament that's what that is what the world juniors feels like in canada like i like and for someone like me who grew up and and actually i can't say most canadians because canada is comprised of a few big cities that have all the the population and then there's a lot of us like myself who grew up in rural parts of canada smaller towns to those kids and to those hockey fans, major junior, junior eight, that is your NHL team. So I grew up in Prince George, shout out to Riley Heights on the Prince George Cougars right now, ripping it up. And Friday was BCHL junior A. Saturday was, you know, Prince George Cougars. And that was, you know, the, the five to 7,000 seat arena. That was, especially that was the NHL. So world juniors were the all-star game for your, for your favorite league, right? At that time. And yes, I watched the NHL. Yes, the Vancouver Canucks were my team. And then when I moved to, you know, further down, well, down south in BC, as south as you can go in Victoria, the Canucks easier to access as far as going to games. You know, obviously the interest is going to rise um, the older I got with the NHL. But for most Canadians and and even those in, in the big cities, like the the juniors just, they they mean as much to to us as much as like the, the state tournament means to you guys. And I had the pleasure of going uh, the semifinal day for the tournament. And that's what I got from it. I was like, this, this reminds me of home, like just a bunch of just hockey fanatics, 18,000 people to watch 17 and 18 year olds, you know, duke it out in the semifinals. It was, it was awesome. I just have to say, I called the U S to win this year. Um, and even though Canada beat Latvia, what was a 10, nothing, they were, blowing tires falling over the place i was like yeah this is not an in sync team at all so i'm very excited for the world juniors to come here uh to saint paul and uh well and mariucci as well dude it's going to be amazing i'm going to assume that you are either going to find a way to credential yourself as a member of the media or just pay whatever you need to pay to have a ticket package yeah probably i might also just like go go to the bars you know decked out in team canada swag for the big games and oh and and they'll they'll want it badly in 2025 2026 especially on american soil tom reeds is is going to be giving me coconuts for free baby let's go (laughs) Um, he's such a good beer by the way so (laughs) good one of the few bars that have it in in minnesota so so there you go um but but no and then maybe go and support like you know like the kazakhs for example or or one of like the like the cheaper ticket but like someone's got to go and cheer those teams on right and i always (laughs) love when when the world juniors came to vancouver and victoria when it was a 2018 or 2017 um and i pulled the story a couple times on stream so i won't get into it too much but like 
the Canadians supported the Kazakhs in Group B at, at, in and the locals in Victoria because it was a cheap ticket. And whenever and the Americans were in that uh, group as well, and the only goal the Kazakhs scored was against the states. And there were five thousand people in that arena who just lost their mind for the Kazakhs, and these kids were like crying because they were like, "This is amazing." We sold out their merch. It was like you know, so so I would probably be one of those. But if you know, if I got media credential, then yeah, I, w- I will literally live at both rinks man because isn't that would be amazing isn't that kind of the beauty of a tournament and, and this could be any tournament specifically the ones that lend themselves to it the most are hockey and basketball but you wind up cheering for your team but inevitably the crowd always ends up cheering for another team for yeah. some reason whether it be because the team is really bad or there's some emotional connection playing your and, rival, of course yeah yeah correct or or they're playing your rival and that is also one of the most fun parts about going to a basketball or hockey tournament that maybe has six, 10, 12 teams. I know for, for basketball specifically, the uh, big 10 men's and women's tournaments are in Minneapolis a little bit later on here in the springtime. So I know that'll be fun too, for a lot of people. Oh yeah. And I, I would, I'm way more into college basketball than I am into the NBA and, you know, e- even North of the border, like, March Madness is just as it's just as popular, right? Like that that's one of those things too that like we're you know in the college days we're we're skipping class to watch it and so are the professors. <laughs> why is can't why is class canceled here today? And I see my prof like literally there with his pad notepad like and probably is emailing his bookie being like oh shit or it's, getting excited. <laughs> it's amazing when you allow people to gamble and you know gamble at your own risk. Shout How much edge. There you go, better edge there in the upper quarter. It's incredible how much intrigue that adds to everything. Even ruined fight fans, dude, in the UFC. (laughs) They don't care about the sport anymore. They just care about their parlays. (laughs) No, but Isha, I'm not even I'm not even joking. You know, I love to watch things casually without any money involved. But when you but when you throw money involved, even if it's five dollars, two dollars it's amazing how much more invested and upset you get, oh, even dude. if it's even if it's literally pennies. Oh, I know. And like, like I said, I do I do weekly fight streams on my second channel, and like half of my chat are like, I don't want to disrespect anybody's listening, but they're not fight fans. They're they're fans of the sport who have money involved in Correct. every single event. So they're, they're gamblers more than fight fans. And, and that's where we butt heads. Cause like, they'll get so pissed. Like this bitch ball. I'm like, come on, dude. He got <laughs> need in the face. With, no one saw that coming. Like, come on. Like, so I, I feel like I still empathize with the athletes a little bit, but where you said it, like I, I, I dropped a little money on, you know, the world juniors here. And I was, I was hating on Sweden the whole tournament. Cause I was like, fuck this team. I do not want them to beat the Americans in the finals or like, make it hard for the Americans in any way because I had the Americans winning the whole thing. Cha-ching. Let's go USA. As soon as Canada was gone, I was, you know, my, my dual, you know, I'm dual citizen now officially. So my Good for you, American congrats. Country. Yeah. Freedom. Let's go. <laughs> National um, anthem. Sing it for me right now. I'm sure my, man, my voice turned. I was singing it so loud and proud when the juniors won there. <laughs> oh, say can you see, that to me was the true test. If you would have busted out to O Canada, I would have said, "Oh, you're not. You don't have dual citizenship." <laughs> By the way, I only sing O Canada in French now because uh, Trudeau changed it in English the words because some of it was too offensive. So I only sing it in French now because the Quebecois, as crazy as they are over there in Quebec, they'll never change the lyrics to a national anthem. And if that happened in the states, 
oh my goodness dude like i don't even want to get into that conversation i always love when i go to a hockey game uh, a wild game and sometimes you, know, you honestly admittedly forget that they'll do both national anthems i don't know I why i forget because See, and for some reason I do. Right? <laughs> yeah. And for some reason I do. But every time you get to hear the Canadian national anthem or when the twins play the blue Jays and all yep. of Toronto comes down and you get to hear the Canadian national anthem. I love it. I love it. Oh yeah. Um, I, I definitely like the song. Like I like the star spangled banner song, but especially for sport, maybe just for sporting events. I'll say that because like, the final notes just get you so pumped for the event where oh canada it, i mean it's so canadian it's so quirky and like it, it, english it's so fucking british right and so it doesn't get you pumped for sporting events you can't rip the national anthem oh canada on the guitar like like jimmy hendrix did the, the star spangled banner right so like yeah. i'm i am mad enough to admit that even as you know a a, a a canadian a true canadian but uh yeah i definitely have always i've always like since i saw Jimi hendrix play that i've seen santana play at like nba games yes. as well yep. um it's so good that it's easy to butcher ala fergie but uh it's kind of hard to butcher oh canada although if, if you if you'll entertain me for another minute or two here um the worst oh canada rendition i've ever seen and i will put the audio clip in the podcast if i can find it no promises because it took me a lot of time to find it before we went to a local uh, uh like triple a lacrosse or senior lacrosse but it's where like the nll players play their summer league so it's it is high level lacrosse and they were in their finals and got a local band to play the national anthem and when i say local band outside of victoria um it was this guy who ripped the sleeves off his plaid shirt, literally cut holes in his jeans that day. I swear, like, like this guy thought he was <laughs> Twisted Sisters. Okay, plugs his acoustic guitar into an amp, and the other guy, no joke, is playing like those big, like industrial butter fucking crates, and 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 tubs, and okay, and I, you know, I've been drinking. So I just start burst out laughing and there's like veterans in front of me. Cause we're sitting in front of the veterans row here straight up. And I'm like, fuck dude. Like I don't want to laugh the national anthem in front of our vets. So I'm like trying not to laugh, you know, and my, I'm looking at my buddy and he's like holding it back too. And I'm like, Oh, you're not making this any easier. And when the guy is done, he ends on that. Like, and I'm just like, Oh, and we just burst out. We couldn't stop. We burst out laughing and he looks behind me. I'm like, oh, we'll take it. And he's like, that was a fucking disgrace. And I was like, yes. <laughs> I think the only one, I don't know if, I've seen a couple of bad ones in person, but nothing that like really stands out. Like I remember, oh, that one wasn't great, but nothing that I can really rip. I do know like the, the universally, the one that gets panned the most in America, the Roseanne Barr sang the national anthem in like the mid 90s. I think it may be a Padres game. You should look that up when we're done here. Just okay. Roseanne Barr national anthem. It was awful. Uh, Whitney Houston did an incredible national anthem, though, before Super Bowl. So that would, I'm giving yeah. you the good and the bad. There you go. Um, there was like some low level. Uh, <laughs> let's just say the crowd was very much uh, freedom, if you know what I mean. And ironically, this. Uh, this big old hick of a man forgot the lyrics to the national anthem. And that's one of my favorite highlights. Cause it's like, Oh my God, you put on this event, you know, and you can't even sing your own anthem. So I thought that was comical, but anyways, um, I know I got you for, for a little bit longer here. So let, let's get back into the sports talk. Uh, the PWHL. Yeah. Successful start to their season, start to their league. I mean, Tim Hortons, 
and I'm not even saying this because I'm a Canadian and, and I don't want some people are probably rolling their eyes and laughing, but they were waiting to see the numbers, viewership and everything before they jumped on as an official sponsor. That was announced uh, Friday evening, which was awesome to see that that that's that's a lot of money going into to this league. And there's a few other big sponsorships and big athletic brands who are now, you know, whose eyebrows are raised upon seeing the numbers. Two million viewers this week from Canada alone. 13,000 people at the X the other night to watch uh, the Minnesota team play. I mean, no one really has a name yet or a logo. But I, I ask you, Ross, with how seemingly rushed this league was, with how little promotion they had without even having team names and logos like do you do you deem it a successful first week and how excited are you now for this league okay well a couple things here i well it's extraordinarily successful and at the beginning i i I don't want to say poo pooed's not the right word i love saying poo pooed i poo pooed (laughs) it Uh, at first though at first glance you did just think what is happening here you were trying to build roots in the last league and then you pulled the plug on the last league to start the PWHL. For Minnesota specifically, one thing that is really helpful is having the Bally Sports North deal and, until their screen goes blank or everything gets pulled pulled on Bally Sports North. But the fact that you can watch all these games, that's going to be huge. That's going to be great for the sport. It's on YouTube great, as well, yeah. And great for the team. So just the fact that you have access to these. Uh, another thing, I did not get to the first home game. I will get to a game, hopefully two. Uh, I was told that the ticket prices were incredibly affordable. They should be. They should be. I think yep. they should be for all sports. But for Absolutely. this league specifically, I'm glad that they were incredibly affordable. And there is a little bit of precedent here. The Minnesota Aurora were selling out. That's the professional women's soccer team in Minnesota. They were selling out TCO Performance Center, whatever we're calling it, where the Vikings practice. Five, six, seven thousand people for that. That's so there awesome. is an there is an appetite for women's sports. I think in this country, specifically in Minnesota, and I'm not trying to jab at the men's teams in town, but the Gopher women's hockey team has won a lot of national championships in the last 15, 20 years. It's been a bit. Maybe they'll win one this year, but it's been a bit. But they've won their fair share of national championships. The Minnesota Lynx have won four WNBA championships. The women in this town carry the water for the men. You know, the last thing that really happened in this town of consequence would be go for hockey when they went back to back in the early 2000s. So I'm not saying people are going to these games specifically because they're the only teams that win, but I think it's I think it's added that you know that the team is going to compete. So I think people feel good about that. And, and let's be honest, it, it's high time that we do more for women's professional athletes. I mean, look at Isha, look at women's college basketball. I mean, you used to be able to, there's 300 women's college basketball teams, and you used to be able to, at the beginning of the year, say, these are the two teams that will play for the national championship, and it happened 90% of the yeah. time. Well, now you look around the women's basketball tournament, there are some really darn good teams in there. And you start the year actually thinking there's more than just two teams that could win the national championship. So women's sports, not just in this country, but around the world have grown leaps and bounds in the last decade or two. And I I think the world of what the league's doing, and I don't want to say I was a detractor, but I really didn't take it seriously out of the gate. The... The no nicknames thing to me is a little interesting, but at least that's not unique to Minnesota. That's everybody in the league. 
I do like the uniform combinations from what I've seen. As you Very know, college-like. I, I, I like it as well. Yeah, I put way too much stock in uniforms, what teams wear. I, I tend to rip on teams when they wear bad uniforms. Uh, teams like Iowa State, who love to always wear black, even though black is not anywhere in their colors. So please, uh, <laughs> you know, you can get wild and crazy with your uniform combinations, Isha. I have no problem with that. But get wild and crazy within your own damn color right. schemes. That's... That's what I'm okay with. So overall, I, I I'm I'm very happy not just for the league, but for the, for the women of this state because there's a heavy Minnesota influence on the roster and in the front office. And I'm happy for people that want to go to the games. I think it's a really cool thing. And, and another thing to give us more options of things to view in Minnesota, Isha. We now have everything. Literally, oh, yeah. literally, almost everything. You have. Five major sports counting Minnesota United. You have two major universities now that are playing D1 sports or just a slight step below that with Minnesota and oh, St. Thomas. Are, we're leading their division <laughs> before going into the break, and this is, this is their second year D1? Yeah, it's, year, it's, whatever. it's good it's stuff. And then, and then you now have you have the professional women's hockey league. You have women's soccer. The, the St. Paul Saints, the AAA affiliate of the Minnesota Twins, before that an independent baseball team. There's an arena football team that's going to fire up here in the state of Minnesota in the next few months. I think the only thing we're missing, Isha, is the uh, combined XFL-UFL team. And I think I'm okay with that. I think I'll be I think I'll be fine without that. This is a sports, well, towns because of the Twin City. But it really is. Um, even even going into combat sports, it's a huge boxing hub. Yes, big boxing town. Right? If You know, even smaller shows at the Armory, which I have to go see a boxing event there. I've gone to a concert there before, and it was ridiculous. I, I, like, and I, I say that in the most endearing way. I can't imagine how amazing a boxing event would be there. Um, there are multiple, like, I mean, my jiu-jitsu gym is awesome. There's a lot of high-level grappling, uh, a lot of great wrestlers that come out of, obviously, the University of Minnesota as well. I mean, Stevenson's going to be a star when he eventually gets to the UFC. I'm just saying, just saying he's going to make his money in the WWE first. And then Daddy Dana said, as soon as he's ready, he's got a one-way ticket to our roster. And yeah, then and- there's, there's a lot of awesome MMA gyms as well. And I think there's like 10 guys who literally train out of Minneapolis or St. Paul, not Minnesota guys who went to Florida or went to the big gyms, train in Brazil. There's like 10 active UFC fighters who are from uh, the academy in Minneapolis. It's amazing. Yeah, and I left that out. Very astute point on the wrestling, of course, going back to the Mm -hmm. AWA, NWA, how many professional wrestlers come out of the Minneapolis-St. Paul area or even the surrounding states with Iowa and South Dakota. So, yeah, I mean, is this the most crazy sports town in the country no i don't think it is but is it a very is it a very well-read well-schooled sports town i think it is and the one thing that minnesota has always been outside of the vikings and i think this is a lot of american sports fans if you win in this town people will come and they will come in droves and we're seeing it right now with the minnesota timberwolves go back to 2019 we saw it with gopher football when they were packing at the time, TCF Bank Stadium, the Minnesota Wild, to a degree, they're still packing it in at the XL Energy Center because it's, it's a hockey town. And, and the Twins, there was a, there was a time in the late 2000s, early early teens, Isha, where you would say the Twins were 1B with the Minnesota Vikings. So if wow. you win in this town, people will support you. But that's, that's the key word there. You got to win. Yeah, well, I mean, I would argue and say that, I'll just push back a little bit and say that 
I mean, this town doesn't see a lot of the, the cities don't see a lot of winners, and no, no, and the fans still support. They'll bitch and complain as they should. <laughs> Some take it too far, but that's sports, baby. Um, I think but, I saw today, Isha from uh, Gopher Hole, one of the accounts in town. I think we're up to 121 seasons between the Timberwolves, Wild Vikings, and uh, why am I missing somebody? Timberwolves, Wild Vikings, Twins without a championship. 121 seasons. That's a lot. <laughs> at least, though, you don't got Logan Paul at freaking Rogers Arena in front of Canucks fans saying that, saying to the Canadian wrestler, you ain't getting this American belt just like the Canucks are never <laughs> winning a Stanley Cup. So, uh, I got to hand it to cool. Logan Paul. Uh, Isha, he's, he's he's not there. Man. Everyone hates yeah. him already, so why not well, make millions on being well, a heel in wrestling? And he's not there all the time, but when he's there, holy crap. He he has learned it. He has learned it well. He is great on the mic. He is I shouldn't have doubted that he would be good in the ring, but he is a thousand times better in the ring than I ever thought he would be. That match that he and Rollins did, I think was that was that in um maybe last year in last year, but he really in Saudi Arabia. That, that was incredible. Yeah. Dude, he flew PJ to Saudi Arabia after that injured, flew to watch friggin' Jake Paul fight Nate Diaz in that farce of a boxing match. It just hurts my soul. But anyways. <laughs> I can oh, see I'm how upset you are. Into boxing ever again, dude. That was the worst thing I've ever seen. And being an MMA guy who like watched Nate Diaz my whole life, I was like, for fuck's sakes, dude, this is this is sad to watch. But I could see how upset you were with the actual like eye scrape. It was literally, I will show you. My iPad was on my seat and I was literally like this the whole time. Oh, it was it was awful. <laughs> it was awful. Um, anyways, to, to we kind of got the train off the tracks here, but to, to wrap up just this segment on the the, the PWH, I've been saying because the Canadian League and, and the American League could never see eye to eye. They were always battling, and that's what honestly sunk them both. That and the Canadian team putting a team in China, which is a whole other story. <laughs> Seriously. Anyways, that's a logistical nightmare. That's the same thing I say about anytime the NFL talks about wanting to be in London. It sounds great till you actually try and put it in play. And then is it doable? Sure. But is it a is it something you actually want to do? I don't know. It's the craziest thing ever. Um, But maybe what would have solved all of their problems was just allowing checking because this is hockey, man. And I know in college, like you can't you can't just lay out another another girl like we've been seeing here in this in in this league, but it is physical. It really is. Like the the women's college game and the and I mean that's why the Americans and Canadians take so many penalties against fucking Finland when the women's play international. But you know, it it is a it is a rougher game, but it's cool to see, unlike the CWHL in Canada and what was it the NWHL um in the States that that eventually folded, like this is a rougher brand. And we all hockey fans want to watch that. It's incredible. Well, and, and you know me, I joke often about fighting and that uh, I don't necessarily love it. But that doesn't mean that I don't want checking and physicality in the sport. I want more physicality in the NFL. I don't want to maim players and, you know, give them all concussions. But as a fan, when you watch this, that's that is kind of what you want to see. You want to watch people do things that, in all honesty, you can't. I can't. You know, you, you want to, you yeah. want to live and cheer for people doing things at the highest level and doing it in an incredible way. And yeah, in hockey and football, that includes the physicality element. So I, I do applaud that. I, I do love to see that. 
NHL specifically when it comes to Kirill Kaprizov and the Minnesota Wild, I think we have to be careful about how much we're letting guys do and what they get away with. Yes, and Mr. that Winnipeg fan. Yeah, exactly. That's the Jets variety. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just you're never gonna get rid of that stuff. And I and I I I don't know I don't know why we continue to try. You know, as long as nobody is getting this sounds like such a parent thing to say. As long as nobody's getting hurt, what's so bad about it? But yeah, as long as nobody's getting hurt, we're doing it to the letter of the law and we're not taking advantage of it. Let's see it at the highest level and let's let them do everything that the men can do. Because in all honesty, as I think most good men know, women are a thousand times better at life than men. So let's <laughs> let them let's let them do all the things that men do in sports. Come on. Dude, yeah. And, you know, people on in like my chat and stuff on my other channel, a lot of them, again, from a gambling perspective, rip on women's MMA. And it's it's 20 years behind. It really it really is, right? So or 10, 20 years behind. It's slowly starting to catch up. And every now and then you'll see uh an absolute diamond, you know, on on buried on one of these cards. And it's like, holy fuck, yeah, this has come leaps and bounds, and it's because of the opportunity that a once asshole of I mean Dana White's still an asshole, but a once asshole statement of saying, you know, women will never be in the UFC and look at their cash cow Ronda Rousey. She'd help change the sport. Well, and don't you think a part of all sports growing, not just women's sports, but is to have the access and the visibility. That's what is so good about what Absolutely. the PWHL has done out of the gate. Again, like I already said, affordable tickets. You can watch the games on Bally Sports North. That's creating interest. And that's also creating your next generation of talent and fans. Like we, we always think about these things as us watching the game, right? Like Ross Brendel watching the game, Isha Jeromo, Isha Jeromi. Jerome. It's better than Jabroni. My <laughs> good uh, rock call out right there <laughs> watching the game. But we when we're doing that, we forget about the 12 year old girl or the 14 year old boy watching the game who's going to grow up to be in his or her 30s and either be playing the sports or watching the sports. These sports won't survive without interest in giving people access to the game. And that's what I think women's sports has really figured out in recent years where you could go even University of Minnesota, I can go to a go for women's basketball game for about half the price. I can go to a go for men's basketball game. And both teams are fairly comparable right now. If I'm a family of four, where do you think I'm going to spend the money? Exactly. On the women. And you should. No, great point. Great point. Um, I know I only got you for a couple more minutes, if that's cool. I just wanted to end off the show with a quick wild segment here because we've talked about so many other great things, which is which is good. And I know this is a wild-based podcast. Z and I ran down mostly World Juniors last week. Don't worry, we'll get back to regular wild talk, but it's sad times, folks. We didn't want to, you know, milk the friggin' Winnipeg story that seemingly, and again, we we we're Russo supporters here, but like even he was milking that story for a while. Like, let's talk about the good men. Mark Andre Fleury ties Patrick Watt for second all time in wins. And at you know, me being usually the glass half uh, full kind of guy, my my first you know, and this is out of character reaction was, oh, Fleury probably played way more games. But man, it wasn't as much as I expected. And this is huge. Zuccarello's back. I mean, where do you want to start? Well, well, first off, too, when you talk about the how many games somebody played, how many games did it take them to get there to other comparable people? I, I think that matters, but also 
on the same hand, longevity matters. So just to be able to keep just to be able to keep yourself in the sport and around the game long enough where people want to continue to pay you to play, that matters. So hats off to Flurry doing that. Obviously, the Wild need to get Kaprizov back. Anything can still happen. I think the playoffs seem like a pipe dream, especially coming off of a what four game losing streak before finally getting a win over the weekend on on Saturday for Flurry to get to to I guess now earn a tie before he officially moves in into second and we can talk about his play to skate all the way back put some obstruction in front of the net and then the wild immediately go down and get the game tying goal but yeah getting Zuccarello's back and that's a move a couple years ago I kind of panned because of his age but for some reason the one sport where you can tend unless you're Tom Brady where you can tend to play a bit longer into your 30s and into your 40s tends to be the NHL when he's on the ice the Minnesota Wild are a better hockey team Marco Rossi I think is finally developing into the player that they thought he could be. And I think the ceiling is still incredibly, is a lot incredibly higher. So I, I overall, if you project out a couple years, Isha, I feel pretty good about the wild. I don't feel so great about the next year, year and a half, because there's still not a lot of money to spend. But I, I don't love using this word. It's a word that everybody started to use over the last few years, but I'll, I'll steal it and use it because I think it makes sense here. I think the Wild still need to continue with developing the culture of the type of players that they want and the type of attitude that they want on the team for when there is more money to spend in free agency, when there are more assets to go out and trade for players. When you do have some of the younger talent getting here, like perhaps Jesper Wellstead getting ready to maybe be the heir apparent and take over the throne in net. So overall, long term, I feel okay about the Minnesota Wild. Uh, this year, and to a degree, the last few years, Isha, in all honesty, has kind of been, well, get to the playoffs and win a series and get back to me. Because I've I've seen enough of the first round exits. And, and fair and, enough. And, and I don't want to rip them for that. Like this team, it probably would be a nice accomplishment just to get to the playoffs and lose in the first round. But I'd still be annoyed by that. I mean, it, Isha, for some reason, we give this team a free pass. We just do. For some reason, we always give them a free pass. What have they done in 20 years? And I don't, I'm trying not to be super negative here, but they last appeared in a conference final the only time in, in 03 04. And let's call it like it is. It was a good, plucky team that was a fluke and happened to twice come back from being down three games to one. Again, they had to earn it to do that. But if you played those playoffs over again a hundred times, how many times do they do that? Probably on less than one hand, right? So, yeah, sure. and, and look, Bill Guerin and 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 Craig Leopold talk about this all the time. The goal is not to get out of the first round of the playoffs. I know fans talk about that, and even I just said it. So I do appreciate that their goal is, hey, it's not to get out of the first round of the playoffs. It's to it's to win a Stanley Cup. Well, okay, let's let's start doing some of those things and crossing off some of those boxes that would get us there. And and with this current roster. It just, none of that seems possible. And then look ahead to the offseason, Isha. What is next year's team going to, what is next year's team going to look like compared to this team? It's going to look look exactly the same. Exactly. Exactly the same. I mean, you, you might shuffle the chairs on the deck of the Titanic a little bit, right? You might lose this $2 million a year fourth liner for this $2 million a year fourth liner. Roger Goudreau is going to go sign wherever, wherever. um, (laughs) He could get the most money. 
And then well, you're just no, gonna... I was going to say wherever Dean Evison ends up, because that's his dad. But, you know, <laughs> but yeah, so it's I would say my excitement and interest in the Minnesota Wild is at an all time low, but I'm still paying attention. I mean, I, I watched a good chunk of the game yesterday. In fact, I or what a Saturday. And in fact, I buried them. I said, well, I guess let's get ready for a top five pick. And then five minutes later, the game's tied and they end up winning the game, which, by the way, is good. I mean. On the shoulders of the young guy. Now, yeah, Zuccarello like coming back has helped, but Boldy had a good game, and, yes. and Rossi with the with the game winning goal. Eck, Joel Eriksson Eck, he, he's the reason this team's even still above water. Like, and I wouldn't even say they're above water, but that they're still kicking it. He he is that the engine man. Him and Brock Faber, of course. But I feel like we say that on every podcast. <laughs> Brock Faber is the best guy. Is the best player on the team right now. It's assumed that. If we don't talk about him, it means that he's been the best player. But other other than him, it, it's Joel Eriksson Eck, man. So I, so I had to look this up, and Isha, uh, it it astounds me. So the last time I was in and out of the wild locker room on a fair occasion would have been uh, Jonas Brodeen's rookie and second year. Wow. Okay, so you're going back to the early uh, early teens here. <laughs> I looked this up. I just looked this up to double check this. He's still only thirty. I know. <laughs> so. To me, you look at guys like that and who are logically going to be a part of this thing when they start to come out of salary cap hell. And you you talk about you talk about a bro Dean, you talk about Brock Faber, who uh, I don't know, I still don't want to talk. Every time I get the opportunity to say this, I will. I'm still not over the national championship game for the Gophers. It's most he was there. He flew there for uh, that, that, that that poor bastard. That poor I bastard. I know. He, he knew it was gonna happen, but <laughs> was, he spent but, his money anyways. But you can see the excitement for when they get out of salary cap hell. But even even that you still have to make the right signings and you have to make the right moves and you have to make the right draft picks. So I'm, I feel fairly confident that Bill Guerin can do that. But Isha, if the wild don't make the playoffs the next two years, do we feel fairly confident? It'll still be Bill Guerin's job. I mean, this year's a wash and it's mostly because of injuries. Like, yeah, yep. they didn't start off great, but like, I'm sorry, like that, that is to blame and fair enough because you know, Boldy can't carry. And that was one of my things I want to discuss here before I let you go too, was, you know, with a full healthy roster, and I know no NHL team is ever fully healthy, but let's assume like the, the important cast and crew are there. Right. I don't think he's as streaky as he's been this year. Right. Like no points, no shots on net in the Winnipeg uh, or against Calgary. And then he's an absolute stud against Columbus. I think that's still, he's still young. He's only 22, 23. So I think that's still, growing pains and you know him being the guy now with you know Kirill injured um Spurgeon being out has not helped the back end at all and just like a couple other moves like why is Goligoski still here why is Merrill still here so some things need to be tweaked I think now more than anything it's like yeah there's there's money that's going to be stuck on the books you know Hartman's only 29 so that's good but maybe keeping Foligno long term wasn't the best deal Zuccarello I actually don't have an issue with that one but just the message that Billy Garen and Co. have been sending the fans is like, no, we're, we're, we're rolling with this cast right now until the young guys are ready. Well, some of these young guys, some of these young guys are ready, man. You said one in wall stats close. Yurov in Russia, probably going to have another two years, three years there. Cause there's just no room for him. Who's Nadinov. He has to come over next year. So like they have to make room for him and Rossi's showing that he's a top center now. So it's more, 
or how is Billy Garen going to shuffle the pieces around to make sure that these young as drafted are able to be on the team? Yeah, and how do they develop? I mean, you need to be bringing yeah. in pieces with the limited resources that you have, at least for the next year, for the young players that are on the roster next year, to help these players continue to develop. And then to your point, Isha, how do you find room for them? Because, you know, Bill Guerin has said, look, we know what we're up against. He made the decision to to move Suter and Parisi or get those contracts or the players. And you know, signed out of the- three old guys here just a couple weeks ago, yeah, right? It, correct. But... but also, he has said the goal is still like we need to be a playoff team and we want to compete to win championships. Now, sometimes I think you say one thing, but you realistically know that maybe that's not the case. But still, that's not the message you give your team. But I think for Bill Guerin, you hit on it right there, Isha. I think the big thing for him into this offseason and into off seasons down the road, kind of similar to what the Minnesota Vikings are going to be up against and what they what the Vikings kind of started last year. Every move the Minnesota Wild make in this offseason, next offseason, and heck, maybe if they end up pilfering pieces at the trade deadline this year, whatever that would be, everything needs needs to be done with an eye to 2026 and beyond. Yes. Do you want to compete and make the playoffs still this year? I think you do. But once you get to the trade deadline, if you realize that's not likely, you get whatever you can get for players who aren't coming back next year. Then when you see what some of these Iowa guys have, like you make sure Damon Hunt is in there and John Merrill is not playing. (laughs) You make sure that Adam Beckman gets a shot in the top six, because if, if not, you don't even know what his value is. Like you want to give him some games so you can dangle him to, to other NHL teams. If he doesn't have, and he doesn't have with how the roster's uh, constructed right now, a chance on this team. And and that's where I'm going to be very critical of management. This end of the season is I want to, I don't want to see you guys tank like Buffalo did or tried to for McDavid where Neuver went on a three game winning streak and they traded the fucking goalie. He <laughs> the that's not what I want. I want. And, and so that's, why I'm not going to use tank, but I want them to be like, okay, if we win, Awesome, but let's see what these guys who we might have to build around or trade have. We have nothing to lose. Yeah, it it depends too with where your roster's at. Sometimes winning, it's uh, again, sometimes management will think this, coaches and players will never think this, but sometimes winning when you're in a rebuild is actually bad. I would argue to your point for the Minnesota Wild, getting as many young guys up here as possible that you think might be a part of your future. And if they start winning games, well, that's great. That's great for now. And that's great for the future. And if they are losing games, but they're going through the process of getting better, that's good too. We're getting dangerously close in a good way for this Minnesota wild season, in my opinion. And who knows, maybe they'll go on a four or five game winning streak, but you are getting dangerously close to the point where wins and losses don't matter progression getting better going through the processes start to matter more than the actual results and i think that's to me that is number one for the minnesota wild as as you go through the rest of this year into the offseason who's even on this roster next year and how do we make those players better next year who can we put around them and to your point like the Merrills of the world even the middletons of the world how much more do you need to see from some of these guys you know what they are you, you know what they are, and that doesn't necessarily even mean that they're bad players, but 
I'd rather take a look at the younger talent that I have. Now, they'll tell us, well, we know because we see it every day and we trust our coaches and we trust yeah, our we, scouts. We love seeing Merrill give the puck up three times. Like, <laughs> I, I hate because it's I like know. a meme now to shit on him, but like, it, I'm, I'm just calling it how I see it. Like, I'll be the first one to praise him when he has a good game. I'll be the first one to say, dude, you gave the puck over three times. How do you still have minutes in one period? How are you still have? Why is Goligoski still employed? You like, know, this point, just pay him to eat popcorn, please, please. Do you know what Merrill and Goligoski have become? They're basically the new Dumbas. You know, D- Dumba. You know, Dumba was <laughs> the whipping boy for what a year or two, and now now it's uh, Merrill and Goligoski. Who, who have become that. Can we get him back, please? <laughs> Jeez, oh man. D- Dumba was fine. I never had much of a major issue with him, other than about once every week he would sabotage you by trying to be a winger versus a defenseman. Yeah. Did you see him try to fight a Kachuk again in I did. Arizona? Did I did. not learn anything? Oh, my god! I, I, I saw it on Twitter. I was not watching that game. I would never have known about it. Or, sorry, X. I would never have known about it without the wonderful world of social media. But uh, I think that's a tree that uh, Dumba should quit trying to climb. He's a beauty, though. I, I lived in Calgary. And, again, big junior hockey guy. So I had season tickets, obviously, to the WHL team there. One of my first jerseys was actually a Calgary Hitman jersey. And I drove with the Hitman support like groups to Red Deer to go watch him play um, him and Nugent Hopkins um, on the Red Deer Rebels. And that was a, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. But Ross, you've given me more than enough time. Uh, you sat through some difficulties that we've gone through as well. So appreciate you, buddy. Before I let you go here, um, please pump uh, your content, your podcast, and let us know and preview anything you have coming up here, sir. Sure. Yeah. Follow me on the X machine at the Ross Brendel just launched a YouTube channel a few months back for my podcast, Minnesota sports chat. I do it weekly, sometimes twice weekly, just talking with folks like Isha from all around the state of Minnesota or of Minnesota importance. Typically spend half the pod talking sports, the other half just kind of shooting the shit, talking the breeze, because it is just a a once a week pod, kind of a passion project for me. You can hear me with Score North during the Viking season on the Purple Daily Before I Die podcast. You can hear me with Judd, or excuse me, with Phil and Kyle Tige off and on on the Flagger and Howells podcast and some other ventures for Score North as well. But a good place to start at the Ross Brendel on X or just search Minnesota Sports Chat like subscribe rate and review and isha i'll actually have to get you on here probably in a week or two i was thinking about that when you reached out so stay tuned to this little phone here for when i reach out okay let's go i mean lfa which is one of the feeder leagues to the ufc is in mystic lake on friday so oh, really? I, will be there, I will be there live as i go there for the whole seven and a half hour show to watch the amateurs before the pros because I support all the Minnesota fighters. And what they usually do at the shows is put the guys who stayed at the Minnesota gyms up against the Minnesotans and then gophers who left to the big gyms. And no joke, there, there were parents fighting in the audience last time. It was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And so I'll be there and happy to report on that uh, the next week on your podcast. I want to, uh, what are the prop bets for parent fights? That's what I want to know. Do me a favor at Mystic Lake. Go drop in 10 or 20 bucks on Jackpot Party, the slot machine, the five cent one. Just do max bid. Uh, that's my 20 bucks. I'll pay you back. Let me know how we did. Don't fear. Just drink some beer and stay wild.